Hello, coffee lovers, and welcome to the God Country Live Video Podcast. Every every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And now, live from Seguin, Texas, and other places around the world, your host, Jose Roberto Alaniz Jr. Hello, coffee lovers. JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin. It's 1900, which means it's time for God Country Coffee. We have a great guest tonight. Uh, we're going to do the housekeeping stuff. First things first, I thank God for everything he's done, not just in our lives, but in our businesses, in my marriage, in my family, everything. Uh, without him, we wouldn't be uh, where we are and definitely not moving in the direction that we're moving in. Uh, that being said, there's a lot of people that uh, have come in and out of our life, and I don't believe in chance, so I know that every one of them is for a purpose and it may be the, just the purpose of using this platform to get to somebody else that needs to hear their story. And so uh, Connie and I believe in that deeply. And uh, with that being said, last week we had Mike uh, from, I'm not going to even try his last name, uh, but he was a uh, uh, Coast Guard retired chief and they own Pale Horse Coffee. And uh, we talked about doing coffee exchange and yes, I sell coffee, but I'm definitely going to promote Mike's coffee, Pale Horse Coffee. This is supposed to be high calf, uh, which which I also sell. Uh, and then he also sent these cool stickers. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to get them in there. This one says, don't be sheep. And then uh, they named their coffee after scripture in Revelation. And so there's the white horse, the pale horse. And uh, these are stickers, really cool. Uh, I'm excited about trying their coffee. Going to get to it pretty soon. Uh, and then also you'll see that today my name is bsbrewingtexas.com. Um, Brian uh, at BS Brewing is a very like-minded individual. He's a brother in Christ. And uh, they have a brewing company right here in Seguin. And we went back and forth a little bit. Uh, and they're using our coffee to make a coffee stout. And so if you're a beer drinker, BS Brewing Texas is the place you want to go to. You can learn all about them and what they're doing. Uh, they're doing lots of stuff in the community. Great outfit. And finally, I'm going to I'm gonna read this off of her bio that she sent me uh, because I don't need to add anything to it. <laughs> and so uh, my guest tonight, her name is Magda Khalifa. I hope I didn't, she'll correct me if I didn't get that perfect. But um, uh She's a first-generation American, U.S. Army Special Operations combat veteran, business owner, speaker, best-selling author of American Dream. After witnessing the attacks in New York on September 11th of 2001, she left her lucrative corporate career, family, and comfortable life to join the military and fight the enemy. After two tours in Iraq, she returned home to face her own battle, struggling with transition and health issues. Magda succeeded in turning her life around and shares her success through Freedom Triangle, introduced uh, in the world to the world in her memoir. In 2020, she launched her first veteran-owned luxury fragrance line, Triangle Fragrance, featuring, and I'm not going to even try these French words, but uh, she'll explain it to you. Uh, and one of them is called Confidence for Women. The other one is Victory for Men. Triangle Fragrance shares the power of the Freedom Triangle through unique collector's cards to guide people throughout their daily lives. In 2021, she founded a charity, Magda Khalifa Foundation, to help recipients attain inner peace and significance. 
And Magna co continues to lead, inspire, and serve people worldwide through speaking about her unique story, perspective, and proven examples of a no excuses mindset, results, tenacity, and grit. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm excited. So I uh, I apologize. I've had this book for much longer. Um, and just like the last author that I had on, she gave me her book. I got about halfway through it when we actually had to do the interview. And I feel bad about that. And I need to make more time to read the books that people send me. But um, first-generation American, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and your early life. What led you to join the military? Sure. And, and thank you, brother, for having me on. I am honored. Um, so I, I grew up uh, right outside New York City in the North Jersey area. My parents immigrated here from separate countries. Dad came from Egypt. Mom came from Colombia, and they met in New York City dancing. So <laughs> true melting pot of the world. Um, they married pretty quickly and had me a year later. So uh, that's where I grew up, right up there in the, the hustle and grind of a you know very diverse community. Yeah, I, uh, that's one place that I have not been, New York. And uh, I just, uh, it just seems like it's crazy. Like there's just too much going on. <laughs> I, I suggest waiting <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a transformational time right right now, but, but it is, it is truly, gosh, it is truly a great city, you know, inherently, um, you know, I think about my experiences growing up in that area and what I was exposed to. And I'm very grateful for that. And that's something that will always be with me. And I believe that has served me, uh, in life in many different ways. And so at what point did you, I mean, did you grow up going through high school and everything knowing that you were going to join the military? No, no, not at all. I was uh, being groomed for business or working corporate. And, uh, you know, I was groomed to go to college. And, you know, that's what people did back then um, in the, you know, I was born in 73. So I guess like in the 90s. <laughs> that was the trajectory that I was uh, being sent on, you know, <laughs> go get a college degree. Um, and I wasn't crazy about it. I wanted to work because I started working, you know, I got a taste of what it was to work when I was nine years old. I, I was able to start making some money that way. And to me, money was freedom because I could purchase things that I wanted to get, you know, um, which was pretty cool. So I was more enthusiastic, if you will, about working and earning and, uh, you know, being able to get what I want because I worked hard. So uh, the whole military thing, it, it definitely fascinated me. My father uh, loved visiting, you know, he loved military history. So we always watched um, Discovery Channel and History Channel and documentaries, you know, World War II, black and white documentaries, Wings of War and whatnot. And uh, for family trips, we traveled all over the U.S. and internationally as well. And he would always take us to you know, battleships to visit battleships or uh, museums and whatnot, because he was fascinated with that and flight as well and everything. Um, he was an engineer and worked, uh, you know, they had defense contracts and everything. So I was, I guess I saw that through his eyes, you know, and had an appreciation, even if I didn't fully have an understanding of, you know, the functions 
uh, uh, to function in the military, you know. But I remember being a senior in high school when the Gulf War broke out and ended <laughs> in a hundred days, and watching it on CNN, and um, that left an impact on my mind, you know, like kind of in a cool way, like, wow, military is pretty cool. Like these people, you know, Americans are going out there and doing this, and we rock, you know. So, so, um, yeah. But it just happened at the right time later on. I did do ROTC in college. Uh, but dad kind of steered me away from that because he believed that I would be best served by working, you know, in a corporate world or, or going into business. So um, I did get a taste of that at Fort Knox in 1993, summer 1993. I think it was six weeks or eight weeks. And uh, a very different experience as a cadet um, during peacetime going through that training than later on as an enlistee going through uh, basic training during a time of war. So that was, um, yeah, I was fortunate to like get that experience and jump in when, when it was time. Yeah. I, I think we're probably not that far in age, uh, you know, from what I was looking at the book and stuff. And uh, I know that, that uh, some of the things you hit on there, you know, that was the thing. My dad was military uh, when I was, you know, he was, he, he did his time, but he got out after like five years or something. And my uncle, his youngest brother did 25 or 30 years in the Air Force. And we've had family members that have been in every branch of service since World War One. And wow. so I had no doubt in my mind what I was going to do the day I graduated. Um, but my dad didn't want that. He wanted something better. He said, I want you to go to college, get a degree, you know. And so, you know, that's kind of a thing that, I don't know, I know, like you said, that you're a Gen X or that's what I am. So the millennials are not so much enthralled with the work ethic that we were raised with, you know, and I don't know, there, there was just a sense of, but I, I didn't care. I didn't, I wanted to go to the military. I wanted to be like my dad. And that's exactly what, well, I didn't do that exactly. I ended up joining the Navy. Dad was Air Force, but um that's a story for another for another show. But uh, I tried to go Air Force. They just had issues the year I graduated. And so uh, I ran out of money uh, while I was going to school and I didn't have a job. And so, you know, I was like, OK, I got to bail. I got to go now. And uh, that's how I ended up in the Navy. But um, so your book says that that 9-11, your bio says that 9-11 is what really like was a turning point for you. Talk about that. Yeah. So literally, literally being there in the, you know, the, the, the World Trade Center, of course, we were attacked at three different points in, in the country. Um, and the World Trade Center towers were humongous. And, you know, I, I say facetiously, like there, you could see their shadow, you know, from miles away, you know, but, you know, true story, you know, they were so tall, <laughs> such a massive structure, the two of them. So, you could see it from miles away and you always knew where you were in the city based on where you were relatively, you know, by looking up and seeing where those the twin towers were. So um, I was able, you know, I had full view. Of course, New York City didn't have the skyline that it has now, which is really developed. But, you know, you had your Empire State Building in the town and the World Trade Center down downtown. And, you know, so all of us in North Jersey, um, especially on the eastern side, could see everything could, you know, it was, it was 
right there. Um, when you went closer, you could smell across the river the um, the sulfur. Um, it was, you know, like taste it too, you know. So it was that cloud lingered for um, a week, a week, and and we know now it was full of toxins and everything. But anyway, so you heard you saw you smelled the impact um cell phone service was down of course cell phone service was newish back then but uh that went down so that led to more pandemonium and chaos um did i mention in the book how i had family members in the city and you know we couldn't get a hold of them thankfully they got out uh over several hours and through you know alternate routes uh, along with so many others, but it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. It, it was just, un, you know, un, um, unreal, like just no words to describe war in your backyard, literally. So yes, that prompted, you know, I went through the whole cycle, you know, like, like, like everybody else did, you know, first confusion, you know, um, and then, I have had, or I had had at that point, uh, you know, a lot of friends that were military and kind of like, I guess the equivalent of the word millennials like today, or maybe it's a new generation woke, you know, they knew what was going on and named Bin Laden started getting thrown out like really quickly before the news did officially before anything official came out. So um, not a coincidence, you know, what happened. And, and remember, we had the first attack in 93 at the World Trade Center. So there was the preponderance of, you know, terrorism in the, you know, the ecosystem of the world or the, the epicenter of the world, the financial world. You know? So it was not far-fetched to believe that this was terrorism as well. So, uh, you know, shock, because there was shock and then grief, you know, shock and anger and then grief, of course, because the search and rescue mission turned you know, to recovery. Um, so it was just such an intense time so uh my husband and i so he worked he wasn't there that day but he had an office in the 101st floor for a company aeon which you know big company um b2b company and uh so they had three different offices that he serviced as a an it person he wasn't there that day but lost 200 co-workers you know they had the second largest uh loss of employee life um i think Kenneth fitzgerald was the first with 600 plus so that was very personal, very near and dear, close to home. Um, so we tried to donate blood in like the initial, you know, 24, 48 hours. They had enough blood at the blood banks because there weren't enough survivors to that, you know, for that demand. Uh, so it was horrible, like listening to the news, the AM news, 1010 wins AM news, and just round the clock listening to the news and um, trying to figure out what we could do, you know, and I realized really quickly, I had no skills, no medical skills. I had no heavy equipment. I, I was a computer person by trade, you know, like that was, you know, IT was my profession at the time. And I called places, Hey, can I help with anything? You know, I'll volunteer like anything I can do because the worst feeling in the world is to be helpless during a time of need, you know, so that really solidified my decision to go serve. So, um, so I enlisted March, 2002, you know, my family, um, you know, my spouse at the time were no longer together, but you know, he was a Marine, uh, served honorably, um, in the nineties and did not want me to go, but he understood why I wanted to go. 
and I wanted to go. I had to, you know, like once I put my mind on something, I'm, I've got to do it, you know. Um, so yeah, and then from there, shipped to eventually shipped to basic training how to get a date, and uh, you know AIT, and then got on the battle roster for the next rotation uh, for my job, which was uh, 38 Bravo Civil Affairs Specialist. 38 Alpha initially at that time. I want to jump in and ask you something about that. Mm -hmm. So from the time that the attack happened on September 11th, 01, you left in 02, how much time did you have to process what had actually happened before you knew 100%, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Um, it was pretty, if, 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 the, the desire to go was, was quick, you know, within the few weeks, because of course we were hearing reports too about you know, the first forces going to Afghanistan once it was identified, you know, so it was like, I need to go be there. I need to do something. I need to be part of that. Um, but I had to, you know, I had my affairs to sort. I was consulting. Uh, I was married. I, you know, had responsibilities and, and whatnot. I had to figure out how I was going to do this because I knew it was a commitment. It wasn't, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just... Um, he didn't want me to go. I get it. I get it. What person wants their spouse to go? I, I get it. You know, so yeah. it, it took a little longer, you know, but I, I needed to, to do that. And yeah. And you did it. And so uh, how long did you spend in the service? It, it, uh, it's a little uh, robotic. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that please? Oh, I said, so you went in and, and how long did you stay in? How long did I say? And so I, I enlisted for an eight-year uh, Army Reserve enlistment. So it was six active years and two IRR. So I did one, you know, uh, initial enlistment. Um, I got off of active duty my second tour to Iraq in 2007. You just froze. Oh no. There you go. You're good. You're good. You're back. <laughs> it was weird. Just a second. Uh, I, I, I look over here sometimes and I'm not trying to ignore you. I'm just looking at the other screens because I've got the where it comes up in case I miss. For some reason, I don't get all the comments on my screen here that I'm looking at. And sometimes I have to look at the other ones, but I'm not trying to ignore you. Um, so you, uh, you did your time. You did two tours to Iraq. Um, and you came home and, and talked to us uh -oh. about, pardon? I, I, are you back? Yes. Yeah. You, you, you froze. <laughs> I heard, um, two tours in Iraq and then it froze. <laughs> you know, I, I was saying, uh, you, you went in, you did two tours. Uh -oh. Did it freeze again? Uh, you're frozen on my side. Well, they, well, you're uh, okay. What is this doing? Okay. It happens. I know it happens. We have tech problems. <laughs> um, can you hear me now? I can hear you. It's a little robotic, but I can hear you and see okay. you. Okay. So, uh, talk to us about after your tours in Iraq and then coming home. How was that? transition yeah that was that was horrible um i don't mind the challenges of of 
serving and, you know, being overseas and, and dealing with all that. I mean, it wasn't always, you know, roses for sure, <laughs> but, but coming home to the unknown and not having a plan in 2007, when, yeah, at that point we had been at war, you know, the modern day war for six years, but it was chaotic. It was so hard for me to transition like it is for so many other veterans for sure. Uh, yeah, I, it was horrible. I did not feel well. I didn't understand why I didn't feel well because I was 29 when I joined. So I was 30 something, you know, mid thirties, I guess when I, when I got back or right below mid thirties and like, I wasn't myself, you know, I had headaches, um, you know, sleep issues, a, a lot of, a lot of bad moments. You know, I talk about it in the book. It was just not, it, I wasn't me. I wasn't the me that I was prior to going, which was, you know, a very outgoing social uh, go-getter. I, I wasn't that at all. I was very reclusive. Um, nor was I, you know, um, focused on a mission like I was when I was serving, you know, like I, I had my role and I did my part, and everything. but coming home, like I felt like a fish out of water and <laughs> literally felt naked without my M4 at my side. It was very, you know, it was very hard to adjust. Um, couldn't relate to almost anybody other than people who had been through a similar type situation. And that was a very small number, you know, of folks. Um, and I will say this now, I will, I will say this now, I, you know, I usually don't bring gender into, you know, when I wrote the book, I kept it gender neutral and everything, because that's not something how you know, I looked at the lens of my life through, you know, as, as a female, but I will say now looking back and knowing now what I do now, you know, obviously the number of women veterans in the total Uh, can you hear me? I can. <laughs> it, uh, I, don't know what it's I will say still. <laughs> I don't know what's causing that. <laughs> um, but but it was there were few people I could really you know relate to because. Yeah, I will say, you know, a lot of people didn't look at you as combat vet. They maybe knew you served, but they didn't know what you went through, you know, as a warrior. And great experience in I was hurting. So at that point, I just pulled back and reclused. Um, I was functional during the day. <laughs> Not a way to live life. Um, and I did for many years, you know, uh, till thankfully, by the grace of God, things started to change. But it was a long journey. It was a long journey. So that's why I shared my journey. Because I believe her 
you know, but if you're open minded and you're growth minded to changing, you'll start, you know, the universe will start pouring into you. And that's what I experienced. And now I'm like the third version of myself. You know, pre-war was Magda version 1.0, then the war days and afterwards was version 2.0. Now I'm at 3.0 and I feel supercharged. And it's like phenomenal because like I'm going to be 48 this year. And I'm like, shoot, I don't feel 48. You know, I feel like I've got more energy and, and, and joy in my life than I did at, you know, any time previously because I have clarity and I feel great and like physically feel great because I corrected a lot of the things that had been damaged and regressed, uh, you know, just through the, you know, the exposures that you have when you're serving in, whether it's wartime or peacetime, when you're serving in an environment that is full of toxins and uh, uh, weight. affect your you know your your physical makeup and therefore your your mental um makeup as well you know so uh living proof you can turn things around <laughs> you know you said something too that is really key is that the veteran community is small to begin with right general veteran community is one they say it's three percent but it's probably closer to one um and then you take that community and then you go to how many of those are combat veterans? You know, I'm not a combat veteran. That, that number is tiny. I, I've uh, lost you. Did you? Are we back? Can you hear me? Okay. I, I heard you say the veteran community is small and then you go and then I'm Right. The veteran community is really small. And then the combat veteran community is even much smaller than that. And yes. then the female combat veteran has got to be just a speck, you know, within that 1%. Correct. And then if you look at the statistics for the suicide rate amongst veterans, it's actually, or at least it was when they did this, you know, study um, six, seven years ago, it's higher for female veterans than for male veterans. Now, I don't know whether those were combat veterans or veterans at large. But how is that possible? You know, and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It is heartbreaking. I mean, we all know male and female veterans, you know, veterans who, you know, have, um, have taken their lives. And uh, cancer and suicide are, have killed more of our modern day veterans than war. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. It truly is. It's mind blowing to think about that, you know, like, and, you know, when we're, we're, we're talking like, you know, peeling back that the layers of the onion, you know, how many people within the veteran community know that and understand that and understand why. And then of that small number, like if you look at it in um, perspective to the civilian population, I mean, how many civilians that that's going on a very important factor, you know, in our discussions and us, you know, bringing it to light and, you know, people and organizations that are doing great things to, to help combat that, combat those statistics. Um, 
you know, if not us, who, right? I mean, that, that's, it's so important they do that work. And change is slow. Change is slow in anything, you know. But um, there are great organizations that are working out there. Uh, that's one of the reasons I started my charity. It's, it's not specifically a veterans charity, but the first uh, charity that we're providing grants to and fundraising for is, happens to be a veterans charity because it's very near and dear uh, to my heart. And um, having gone through the program and the, the health awareness program for this organization, I know the effects that it has and they need funding to be able to serve and service more veterans. So it's all about giving back, you know, especially when you lived it and can articulate the impact it's done in your life. From my standpoint, I don't have that perspective that you do right from being there. And so, and, but a lot of my close friends, my close circle, they all have all been overseas in combat situations. And so I know for me, the best way that I can give is just to give back, you know, to support my brothers and sisters who are doing work in that space. And it's not about, you know, giving people a hand out because I don't believe in handouts. It's about, you know, one veteran reaching out to another veteran, giving them a hand up because we can all associate with that. And, um, and so, you know, you don't have to be a combat veteran to help combat veterans who are struggling. Uh, and you, you don't even have to be a veteran. You know, we, we, we need people to help uh, bring awareness to the situation because it's unacceptable. There, any, any statistic that deals with suicide is unacceptable. Well, so here's an interesting other statistic. Um, the suicide rate is higher amongst non-veterans, or I, wait, let me, let me rephrase that, I apologize. Um, out of those who have uh, killed themselves, like the modern day veterans, uh, the majority of them had not served in combat. So why is that? You know, so people on the outside automatically think, oh, it must have been what you saw, what you did. But, and, and that could be the case in some cases, but usually there was polypharmacy involved. The over uh, or the pres prescription uh, medicine, I can't even speak to them, tongue tied, combat cocktail where you're taking way too medications, too many medications, um, not used properly, and they have side effects like su suicidal ideations. Um, there was a great documentary, if you haven't seen, you, you may have seen it, called The Hidden Enemy, made by an organization, CCHR. Uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie, Charlie, Hotel Romeo, and I believe it's up on YouTube. And it's several years old, but it captured it kind of like at the height of when everything was going on. And it's very eye-opening, you know, to see the Department of Defense budget like doubled, you know, in a span of seven years for prescription medications. You know, so that that's one reason, right? Then you have, of course, you know, veterans are prone to, you know, smoke and drink. <laughs> you know, uh, that doesn't help, you know. And then, you know, when you, when you leave the you leave the, the womb, if you will, of your brotherhood and you find yourself isolated, kind of like what I did, you know, found myself isolated. Now, I was stubborn. I'm a Jewish girl. I'm stubborn. I didn't turn to those things. But I can see why so many veterans do. So it's not 
you know, like we have answers now. We have clues. We have we have clues. We have answers. We have uh, solutions and, and pathways forward. So that's you know what I enjoy promoting. Uh, you know, organizations um, Hunter Seven Foundation. They do all the research. All uh, you know, former you know medics and nurses and uh, just amazing people, and they publish that research and educate first the battery force and then of course you know outside um other folks as well and then uh task force dagger uh special operations foundation that's the organization that um my foundation has uh voted upon to you know support first and they have the soft health awareness program so right now it's it's for the special operations community but like that model needs to be you know supported and grow to you know um, like we need to see other organizations following their model that they've developed over the years that works, you know, by you know, functional medicine and, and working to find the root cause of what's going on and, you know, diagnosing things that way and uh, using alternative solutions, not, hey, have a pill, here's another pill, here's another pill, let's just have more pills, more pills, more pills. So there are answers out there and it's so important to bring that to the forefront, even within our veteran community and certainly to you know, get change from from other uh, sources too, you know, from, from the government to get support. I see it. <laughs> We're having all kinds of, I don't know what, I don't know. I'm still reading 5G on my, on my internet, but I don't know. I see the screen go crazy sometimes, but on my uh, Facebook, it looks okay. So, oh, so maybe it's just us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's two people that I know. One is an acquaintance because I, I, he actually, uh, uh, what do you call it? He did my coffee on his show where he tried it and then he reviewed it. Doc Jocelyn, he's a combat veteran, a combat medic, mm -hmm. uh, 20 years uh, in that field. And, and when he got out, he struggled. And then one of my really close friends, Robert Torres, um, the last time I worked with him, I was almost ready for a triathlon. And then I let a lot of things go. And I just started with Robert again this last week. And so, but he struggled severely with the VA here. Here's a pill for this. Here's a pill for that. And both of those guys have pictures. Yeah. Up a bag full of. How much has, has that yeah. changed? It's crazy. And and so, I mean, that's just something that we have to rectify. And, you know, if enough people stand up and shout, something wants to change, they can change. And just like anybody that's struggling, that's like a universal rule. If you want to, you know, it's as simple as making that decision in your head. And it may not happen right away, but doors will open. And, you know, the light will come in. And all you need, that little wind, to keep you going to the next day, to the next day, to the next day. And pretty soon you have momentum and you're on a roll, you know, and it's powerful. It's powerful. I've gone through that journey. So many others have, but so many haven't. So of course you want other people to go through it too, because it, that transformation back to, well, I wouldn't say back to your pre-war self, but to your best version of yourself is powerful. And, you know, Hey, we're young, you know, our, 40s and you know 50s 60s like we've got you know we're living so much longer these days and healthier and happier and it's like when you think about it in those terms you know 
that ser your service, your time in the service is a chapter in your life, but you still have a whole rest of life to live. <laughs> you know? yeah. I didn't always think that way. I know a lot of people don't, but it's true. You, you clearly made this huge uh, mindset shift mm -hmm. because otherwise you wouldn't be where you're at. Right. And so at some point you were dealing with all this stuff from combat. And then how long after you came home and were dealing with all this stuff, did you make that pivot and say, okay, now I'm going to be the best version of me that I can possibly be and move forward. How long it was, that yeah. It wasn't overnight. Like I, I think back on the document in the book, the journey of when I started that, that window started opening and the light started coming in. Um, it was a good, six years, five years, six years into the journey that things started to change. You know, uh, the first part was, was getting my health right. And there were some simple things that I did and I, and I discussed it in the book that made a world of difference. And at that point, once I was in a better state of mind, then I was able to receive the clues that the universe was giving me. And I came across, you know, the right people, right group who, started pouring the right information into my brain, you know, um, the things that would help me grow. And as a go-getter, you know, I was attracted to that, like, like a magnet because I needed that. But when I wasn't well physically, you know, when I had my health issues, um, you know, at, at a very high level, like I couldn't receive those messages. So I had to address that first. And then I was able to grow and it, it was a, you know, a progression. So we are in 2021, I will say five years now, five years ago is when the mind started to really grow in, in my journey. And um, what I will say for example purposes, it wasn't until the book came out a year and a half ago. So I, I had written it about five months prior, you know, and just edited it, and did the research to, you know, cross T's and dot I's. So this, this is very new, this two-year journey. But once I made that commitment, like, hey, I'm going to share my story and I'm going to provide nuggets along the way for others who maybe they don't have the same story, but they have some sort of struggle. They could just take this, you know, and, and translate it to what works for them. I'm not going to be prescriptive, but I'm going to offer and share what worked for me and how it worked for me. And hopefully, you know, someone will read it and start making some change in their life. So um, I give credit and I share that as well. And Peter Vargas, who and you know, I shared uh, publicly in a room. 25 people, something that I kept inside, you know, um, no shame, no guilt, but just something that, you know, in the service, you keep things to yourself, right? Everything, everything you go through and experience, you keep it inside. And uh, my phone's beeping, I'll dismiss that. So uh, I shared it and it was emotional. I won't lie, it was emotional because I never shared that. And looking back now, I'm like, why, why was that? You know, it's just because we're groomed to like keep everything and be stoic, you know, keep it inside and just man up. And, and I think I think that worked and served its purpose well while, you know, day after day you're going on a mission and you're losing 
brothers and sisters and you're, you know, attending their memorial service and then you're going right back out on mission. So I think, you know, being able to keep that inside and just focus on mission, you know, Charlie might continue mission and, and do what you have to do that served it at that time. But then afterwards that transition, you got to get that out. Right. So I finally did. I finally got it out. He, I credit him. He, he helped bring it out of me and it was emotional, but you know what? After that, boom, I said, I'm going to write the story. And as a lot of authors know who have, you know, chronicled their memoirs, that itself is very healing and therapeutic in itself. You know, even if you don't publish it, just getting it out there, it's an exercise, you know, to, to go through it that I, that I do recommend to people. So, um, so that worked, you know, and then when the book came out and then I started getting feedback, you know, from folks who, you know, they found value. So of course that made me feel good. And then I realized I needed to just because now that my mind was working, right. I'm like, not everybody's going to read a book. I need to have a physical product that people might buy and learn about the value in the book. So that's where I came out with the fragrance line which is, you know, triangle fragrance for men and women. I could serve people worldwide. And that's inspired by Freedom Triangle, which I wrote about in the book, which that's the framework that can help people. So it all makes sense now. But it happened in such a rapid period of time. And shout out to my mentors, so my business mentors who I listened to. And they didn't like personally tell me what to do, but I listened to their um, their success points in life and their mindset, and it, it it made sense to me, and that pulled me forward. And then I knew what I had to do. So that was very good. So the whole point is like you don't want to go through life and try to figure stuff out or go through struggle alone, you know. And a lot of people do. A lot of people do because you don't maybe you're not fortunate enough to have a you know support system a family a, a close network of, of folks okay go find them get off your ass and find them right because they're out there there's so many people that want to help but you have to find the right people yeah yeah um, but they're out there they've helped they, right on that you know i i love to refer to joshua one and nine because <clears throat> It, it's so close to me. It, it, it reads, uh, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. And, and that just tells me if I know that I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to be alone, period. There's always going to be somebody. And then if you look at the veteran community, well, that expands on that because there's not a single veteran that I know that wouldn't answer a phone at two o'clock in the morning or, you know, it's just not. And so, you're right. If, if you don't know anybody in your close circle, go find them. They're there. I guarantee you, uh, you will find them. And for us, it's easy because we can look to another veteran. You know, I can talk to a veteran I've never met before. That's easy. You know, it's, it's not a difficult thing to do. And it doesn't matter when they served or how they served. You know, I can talk to anybody that's ever served in the Navy. I can talk to anybody. You know, of course, I can always, I like to pick on the Marines because they eat crayons. Uh, <laughs> Last week was really fun because we had all five branches. We had guys from all five branches. And nice. And so we were all just, you know, slinging rocks at each other. But. I, I confess, I have not, I don't personally have anybody in my network 
that's with the Space Force. I, I feel very much like an outsider, you know? <laughs> They're not real yet. They're like the coasties, you know. They're not real. <laughs> Take a while for them to, to do something significant, you know. I mean, they're hanging out. Impress me, and then I'll I'll dignify you with a you know, <laughs> of your branch. But you know, at the end of the day, we we all have somebody. So you went through all these struggles. You wrote this great book, and. Did, did you know what your business was going to be? I mean, you came up with a product, but did you know, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And it seems like you're going to be a serial entrepreneur, I think, but I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's great. I mean, I'm learning that, that being a serial entrepreneur is a great thing. It really is. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, the way I see it, the more money I make, the more mission I get to do. And so I had to change that mindset because I grew up poor. And so I, was, I had scarcity mindset for most of my life. Uh, and it wasn't until the last couple of years that I had to, you know, you know what? I want to be as big as Black Rifle. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to be that big? Well, because I want to be that big, because if I'm that big, I can totally do stuff for these people that are picking my coffee. I can totally do stuff in the community here for the homeless veterans. You know, I can do, you do more, you can do more. And so what point did you, did you know, hey, this is what I'm going to do after you went through all this? Well, well, once once the mentor um, I mentioned, Pete Vargas, uh, pulled that at me, I made that decision. I'm going to get this book out. So, so I did that, you know, that six months from that decision point to publication. Um, and then so that was October 19, uh, 2019, October 2019. And the fragrance line came things in in business and everything and realizing there was some momentum with the book but not everybody's gonna sit and read the book right i was like there's got to be another way i could introduce them to the power of freedom triangle in the book and two and a half months later i made that decision and worked my tail off to move aggressively and you know it's kind of funny you know like god throws at you <laughs> what you can handle so um so yeah, the idea came up on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, uh, twenty nineteen, and I started working on it. You know, January, February, and then March. Boom! New York City shut down, <laughs> and we were like, "What?" You know, kind of like. So um, yeah, that whole thing started. So I've actually moved from New York down to Florida about seven months ago. Um, so despite i think it's like a, one of my finest years because from uh, making things happen despite what was going on in the world you know i had made that commitment clearly made that commitment didn't let the condition stop me were there setbacks yes for everybody everybody in business at least you know um but that's okay you know because i think I, I thought at the time if i can make it through this year i can make it through any year for sure yeah um but I, I didn't know it was going to be a year or whatever, you know, like nobody knew, of course, but I, I just knew just keep going, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And I did. And I'm still going. And it's just such a powerful feeling to have uh, found what it is that I am aiming to do and, and making it happen. And 
uh, the pinnacle or, you know, to go full triangle was uh, the, the charity, Magda Khalifa Foundation, which I um, organized the council and we officially launched. Less than, you know, in 23. Discovery set and then the charity. So that work is done. Now I'm promoting, 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 promoting. And then when I'm not promoting, I'm promoting, 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 promoting. Because triangle fragrance, because that's what it is. Like you said, success, right? Success is our duty. And with more success, I could do more good. I can help more veterans and other people that are in need. So it's clear now. It's clear. So when you have that clarity, you know, you have that commander's intent. You understand the op order and you just search for it. And that's a great feeling to have. You know, so I had been in business for, you know, prior to this, you know, since 2012 with a service-based business. This is a whole other baby. And and it's great. It's great because this is this is what I realize I need to be doing. Yeah, uh, for for me, one of my business mentors is like, you need to set your intention and then take imperfect action, and don't worry about the how. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Just mm -hmm. move yeah. in that direction. Hundred percent. Show up every day. Yeah, yeah. With you know imperfect action every single day. Oh, there's so much imperfection. You know, I, I will I will share with you as an example, but I, I think it's important because um, for someone who may be listening or watching this, you know, this might be something that holds them back. Okay, so that point you mentioned about imperfect action. When I started um, the fragrance line, like obviously, like you know, anytime you're 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 you know um, creating alcohol or fragrance, it takes time. Like it's not an overnight thing. You know, you have to you know for it to to brew or macerate, whatever the case is. So to me, backwards planning, I knew I wanted to have all six out in a year, okay, before the end of 2020. So I had to focus on that. That was the priority mission, right? So I had the name of the business, it was registered. However, I didn't have a logo. You know what? So what? Didn't have a logo until December. So the original boxes say Freedom Triangle instead of they have triangle fragrance on it, but logo-wise, it looks like Freedom Triangle is the logo. No, Freedom Triangle is not the logo. So I think those are going to be collector's items because <laughs> I will, obviously, for the next batch, I will have triangle fragrance, like the actual logo on there. But I think that would paralyze a lot of folks. Like, wait, I have to have a website. I have to have a logo. I have to have this. I have to have that. No, you don't. You have to take action. You have to technically, and I learned this from my mentors, so I'm like, Take credit for it, but like you have to transact, get someone to exchange money with you for your service or product. Don't worry about the website or logo, right? And it's true, it's true, you know. It's like, you know, and then another thing, too, a lot of veterans, or excuse me, not just veterans, a lot of people will uh stay in their comfort zone. Well, I know how to do this part of the business. And totally ignore the other side of like, you've got to tackle what you've got to tackle, not what you want to tackle. You have to get out of that comfort zone. And I, I won't lie, like business is addictive. Like entrepreneurship and that hustle and grind and that uncertainty and risk that you take, it's addictive because 
when you do have a win, even if it's a small win, you know, I guess it's like that dopamine rush. It's like, oh, it's going in the right direction. And then you know you're going to have setbacks, setbacks, setbacks. And that's okay because it's going to keep you on your toes. So it's not unlike, you know, being on a mission, you know, going out, moving tactically with your team. You know, you have your plan and then the first shots are fired and no one saw it coming, right? And then all of a sudden you got to, you know, rely on your training and your unity as a team, your cohesiveness to, you know, surpass the, the threat, neutralize the threat, of course, you know, <laughs> go catch or go seize that flag, right? So um, I, I love it. Like, I, I'm just so addicted to that um, feeling of, of, you know, every day there's more challenges, bring it. And sometimes you can bring the challenges on yourself. And because, and that's a healthy thing because you'll see, like, if you look back at the businesses that, you know, it's it's heartbreaking to see, like, I was up in the New York City area, like, how many, um, you know, family-owned businesses or businesses that have been around for generations shut down. I mean, it was sad. It's so sad to see these, you know, legends dissolve, you know, and maybe it was a good decision for them to shut down or maybe they, they you know, maybe it wasn't. But the whole point is, if you are in business and things are good, you need to stress test the business. Now, nobody saw this coming. Okay. But just like when we we're in the military, you train, 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 train. But then, you know, if you're with a good unit and have good leadership, you're going to be stress testing constantly. So no one ever rests and feels like oh, we've got this all planned for every course of action scenario, anything that could come our way, you know, and it's the same mindset in business. And I, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I picked that up in the military. I don't know, but like, it's just, it's so true. It's like, just add more problems. All of a sudden the problems that you thought you had that were so big pale in comparison to what you're dealing with, but the universe has a way of sorting things out. You know, it's like, I remember someone gave a tip, like when um, you get like a lot of emails and stuff, like don't answer them. How are we going to go away? You know, it, they just become obsolete, you know, because there's so many emails. The same with like physical mail or whatnot, you know, back in the day. So anyway, but but it's it's fascinating. And I think if more veterans, you know, veteran show, we're talking about that's like it embraced business and jumped in the fray, you know, um, the risks they take are not going to be greater than the risks that they took to put their life on the line, you know, potentially and, and, um, sacrifice at all so but the reward the fact that you can have impact and influence and you know share your values and your spoils with community and um you know help your fellow americans and hire people and create products and services that are in demand and that solve problems in the community i mean that's a that's a powerful mission yeah you know yeah I usually ask my guests, but I don't have to with you because you've kind of put it in every step of, of our conversation. You know, the military sets us up to win in business. It really does. Yes. yes. It gives us all these skills. And it's funny because, you know, for years I wandered the business world. The You know, I was always a mechanic and I wandered as a mechanic from place to place to place to place every two years. And I couldn't understand you know, what was wrong with me, why I couldn't stay still for, you know, more than two years. 
You weren't and satisfied. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> and when I when I started with the I was, as a government contractor, I was a contractor for the NSA through a private company for the last 10 years. And when I got that job in 2010, it was the first time that I'd ever made a real living wage to support my family with. The most I ever made to that point was 1175 an hour. And at some point there was like four of us in the house and I don't even know how, how we were able to, you know, even buy food. I have no idea, but you know, somehow we did it, but I was mad because I served my country. I got, I was an NCO, you know, I was an E5 and I was in charge of, I was the uh, work center supervisor for the electrical and the uh, communication division on my ship. And so I had this leadership role and you have all these things that the military teaches you. And I was, and I got out and I was angry at, by the end of this, you know, part of this time that I was just moving to job to job. I was so angry because I'm like, I served, I, I did all this stuff in the military. Why can't I get a decent job? You know? And so I went back to what my, you know, my parents, and I'm sure your parents told you the same thing. You got to go to school, get an education. So I tried that. I did that. And, you know, after having good business mentors that are veterans, I walked away from that last year. I mean, I literally said, I, I called my VA counselor and I'm like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm going to withdraw from school. He's like, well, you sure you want to do that? And I'm, and I'm like, I'm learning more from my business mentors than I'm learning in class. So, you know, I can either keep dragging along until I get whatever it is I think I need on the wall that tells me I can go do business now, or I can just go do business with the skills that I already have that the military taught me. And so, you know, it's really, it is, there's a really neat fact that I looked up. Um, businesses usually, you know, they, they have a mortality rate of like one to two years, startup, small businesses, startup, small businesses that are veteran owned have a mortality rate of like five years. And so oh, bam. <laughs> we're already a step ahead. And then if you look at general statistics for businesses, if they make it to year five, they're usually going to make it COVID excluded. Right. Cause that was unusual. But for the most part, if you can make it to year five, you can make it the rest of the way, you know, as far as you want to take it. Yeah, it's, it's how far do you want to go? Do you have an exit strategy? You know, um, are you stress testing your business? And it's fascinating. Like, I, I love also being a student of learning about business. Obviously, I don't have a multinational corporation employing 10,000 yet, but I'm learning now what. I need to be thinking about now to get to that point. And that's powerful, you know, because my undergrad in, you know, college was, was business. And, you know, there, there were definitely areas I enjoyed and I learned from, you know, as far as the fundamentals and whatnot, but um, very few of the professors had business experience. Like I remember the one that did, you know, and he was definitely he was, uh, the most relevant, but business mentors that are out there now, you know, like the good ones are invaluable because <laughs> the knowledge that you learn from them, you know, and we're all connected. You know, there's no excuse. Like, there's no excuse. You know, it's how bad do you want it? How bad do you I want know it? you and I run a lot of those groups in Clubhouse, and there's a lot of those mm -hmm. people, those great business mentors. 
And apparently we're talking about billionaires, millionaires and billionaires who spend time. And so they see something important there. They see it as a platform that is purposeful. And you're so on point when you're like, these people drop huge knowledge bombs. Yeah. And it's and free. You, can, you know, yeah. no, I do the, the you know, I take advantage of that, but also pay mentors because, you know, to hear what I need to hear because I see there's value in that as well. You know, a lot of people are, <laughs> you have to look at your priorities, like what you're spending on. And I realized like, okay, my business first, you know, and then growth and development. <laughs> like clearly not my hair. <laughs> One day I'll figure that out. Right. Um, you know, the whole fashion thing, right. Whatever. Um, Eyes on the prize. It's like once you're clear on what your targets are, your 25 meter target, 300 meter target, you know, you want kilometers target, you know, like then you know what you're chasing and you figure out the steps how to get there. And then it's like, boom, I'm on a mission. Get out of my way. Either jump on board, come with me, or get out of my way. You know, and it reprioritizes everything in your life, you know, your activities and who you associate with. It's so yeah. empowering. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's, it, a, that's it, a good thing. I think we all need that in our lives. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely empowering. I've had your, your stuff on, on the ticker here going the whole time where people can reach you. Uh, they can reach you at magnacalifa.com, trianglefragrance.com, and Magna Khalifa. Is that Am I saying your name properly? You are. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Uh, magnacalifafoundation.org. And, uh, and those are all places that, that you can go. You can find her products. You can find uh, more about her store. You can find where to get her book and order her book. And don't do like me and drag your feet and not read it right away. Uh, because it's got some great nuggets. And like, I was just sifting through it all day, yesterday and all day today. And, and uh, I'm going to look forward to finishing that. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, to visit with us. And uh, we have a we have a pretty decent following nowadays. It's getting bigger by the day, um, and it's you know it's a veteran following. But I mean that's okay. I'm okay with that. I that love people. It's a kick-ass following. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you you know, rock. And and you know I just have to you know put a little plug in for your coffee. I mean that mesquite. Wow. I cannot <laughs> tell you like how good. Like it's been so pleasurable to enjoy your coffees and I can't pick a favorite because they're all so good. So good. I love like the story, the marketing, the packaging. It's just, it's amazing. And I'm excited watching your journey and your growth and yeah. can't wait to see it on like shelves of like supermarkets and stuff because I can see it going there for sure. Yeah. I'm excited about the things that we've got. We've got a lot of stuff. I got a phone call today, a business call that I, I uh, almost ran the truck off the road when I got that call, and I was like, yeah. pull it. and so it was really, really awesome. But you know, the uh, the coffee that I've been drinking during the show today, uh, I actually made a deal two weeks ago with a young man that lives in a mud hut with no electricity, um, and uh, they they just started building a shower this last week never had a shower on their property and uh, we're going to buy all his coffee 
And uh, it, it's a life changer for those kinds of people because they make about $1,400 a year. Uh, they, they have no means of getting their coffee out of the country. And so the big, big, huge, and I'm not going to name them, but everybody knows who the big coffee companies are. But they go down there and for 150 pounds of coffee, they pay the locals about $20. Well, if they can get their coffee to the United States, that same 150-pound bag goes for about $700. And so two bags of coffee, and and they're sitting at their annual wage. And so <clears throat> we're really excited about doing stuff like that. But uh, I'm glad that you like the coffee. It's not, you know, my show is not about, yeah, about our coffee. You know, I love the coffee, and I... I you know, I love you. I love your business. I love what you're doing. I, I, I'm glad we connected um, initially when we did because it's a powerful force. And like, you know, I like to surround myself with people that are going to bring out the best in me. And, you know, you're one of them. Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind. And I really love what you're doing with your, you know, your your mission is is awesome. And your story is really so important, especially like we talked about how small the female veteran community is, female combat veteran community. And so there is so many women out there that maybe are struggling the same way you did. And, you know, maybe one of them hears it and it maybe it stops them from doing something that, you know, we would all regret. And so keep telling your story, keep telling, you know, your, your success. Cause that is so important. Cause I know that my friends, my close friends who did see combat, I can't talk to them about, I can't say, Hey bro, I get you. I know what you're talking about. Cause I don't, you know, those who, who are Christians, I can pray with them. I can give them scripture that, you know, that will fulfill them, that will comfort them a little bit, but I didn't chew that dirt. And so I can't relate on that level. But, but you're being a veteran. You know, um, that's all that matters, you know, because you signed up to do the same thing they signed up to do and just paths, timing, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. So there's that bond right there that is, you know, indestructible um, yeah. and that's powerful. So thank you for everything you're doing. I think, you know, it takes time and resource and you, know, you have family and a business and everything, but it's, yeah. it's so important. So important. We're all geared for this. We're all geared for this. Yeah. Everyone who wore the uniform are geared for this. Right. We know how to come over, you know, over obstacles. Excuse me. We, we know how to, you know, get over obstacles. We know how to, you know, correct, redirect, and fire for effect. We, we can all do that. We all know how to do that. And so, uh, you know, I always, I love, I was on a steamship. And so my favorite saying is kick the tires and light the fires. Oh my God. And, and so, you know, that's what I, I try to live by. And and I, I'm not going to sit around and wait for something to happen. I'm going to make it happen. And um, and we have those skills. Well, listen, I'm not going to take any more of your time. I'm going to put you back in the green room for a second. Don't go away. Uh, I'm going to close the show and I'll come right back to you. And again, I really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be a part of this. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Sit tight for a second. All right, folks, God Country Coffee, episode 25, Magda Khalifa. You can check it out. I've got all her stuff in the notes. Uh, it's in the, in the um, uh, 
uh, what you would call it, the uh, comments. And so, uh, and you, and you'll find her stuff. We're, we're developing a new webpage right now. And uh, once we get it set up, it's going to have everybody that's ever been on the show that has a website. It's going to have all their stuff on there. It's going to be a veteran uh, entrepreneur page. We're all veterans who have uh, businesses or charities will all be listed on there. Uh, and so that's coming soon. Keep up for that. Next week, we have another veteran who is in the vetpreneur tribe also. Uh, he's got a great business. He sells our coffee on his website. Um, and I think he's a Marine. I'm pretty sure he's a Marine. And so I'm going to have to pick on him about eating crayons and whatnot. But uh, like I always end our show, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. Until next week, I love you guys. God bless. Good night.